pastor told you a story last night about how we met and, and about a revelation book. I want to tell you something really encourage your heart about maybe giving out a gospel tract or speaking to somebody about the Lord. Um, three years ago, I guess it was, because your pastor said it's been four years since I was here. So three years ago, I was invited to go and preach in a church in Seoul, South Korea. And my wife and I flew over there, it was a 30, 30 some hour trip and got there to the church. And, and men, you'd have thought <laughs> Paul the Apostle was coming back to Ephesus. There was a crowd at the airport with banners and signs and flowers. I mean, it was, it was a, a, a really big deal. I was tempted not to go home, just stay there and enjoy it. And man, we got there and the church building was just packed out and full. And, and so anyway, I asked the pastor that, that next day, I said, brother, how... How did I come to be here? I said, how did you end up inviting me to come to, to South Korea and tell me about the church and this and that? And, and here's the man's story. He said, I was a professor of languages at the University of Seoul. He taught English, Spanish, Korean, and, and something else. Man, just a, just a genius. And a colleague of his was in Vancouver for a conference. Uh, education conference and he said somebody there at that conference approached him and said you're a professor of languages you should read this book and he said that the the man handed my colleague a copy of your book by definition what an odd thing to give to somebody but somebody was at this conference of language professors giving out those books and and this man read that book on the airplane on the way back to Korea from Vancouver. And when he landed, he called his colleague and he said, he said, the two of them were lifelong, he said, we're baptized Presbyterians. We don't know, we don't know anything about God. We don't know anything about the Bible. We just, that's what we were born into Presbyterian home. We're baptized babies. Anyway, this man called me and he said, I read this book on the airplane. If it's true, the Bible is God's word and we can understand it. And the man said, is that possible? And the two of them, language professors, got a copy of, of the King James Bible, began to read it. They, they were both converted. They went to the dean and asked if they could have a Bible study at the school. And the dean said, what do you know about the Bible? And the man said, more than my students. <laughs> And he, he started ordering, he would order uh, sermons from us and he would listen to them and then these students would come and he would teach the students. And, and he said, we started out with two and then with three and then with 15 and then we didn't have room on the campus. And Seoul, South Korea has the same land area as New York City, but six times as many people. It's, it's, it's one of the most populated areas. So anyway, land is just impossible. To build a building would be impossible. So they rented an office building and then the next office building and then one beside that. And here, here's what they've done in, this has been 14 years ago now. They, they have a, a meeting place that will seat 150. Downstairs through a, a television feed, they can seat 50 more. When they fill that 200 capacity and keep it full for six months, they send a man and his family somewhere else to start another church. Fill it up again, send a man and his family to start another church. Anyway, 14 years later, they have a dozen 
churches in the city of Seoul. They have another seven or eight churches in other parts of Korea. They have sent almost 15 missionary families to the United States and to South America to start Korean churches. They, that, they translated the King James Bible into Korean and print it and have it on, on a website. And every one of our books they have translated into Korea and printed and distributed over 5,000 copies of every one of those books around the world in the Korean. I knew, I, I, I'd never met, didn't know anything about it. And, and all of that out of one book. One person handed one person one book and all that came of it. So I'll tell you, it, it encouraged my heart to just keep sowing the seed and putting the word out and giving out tracts and witnessing to people. And one more thing about that story. On, on the way over on the plane, I was proofreading. I, I'd been working for a couple of years to add a hundred pages to that by definition book. People write to you, so why do you put this word in? Why do you put that word in? And I, I, on the way over, I was telling my wife, I said, this is so crazy to put all this time into a book that nobody's reading and nobody's interested in. Who but me cares about what words mean? And, and I complained about it most of the trip over as I'm proofreading the additions to the book and then get there and hear that story. So, uh, Lord, just kind of shut my mouth on that one. But So anyway, the next person you give a, a gospel tract to or a pamphlet or a book or something and you say, well, they went on their way, you never see them again. Who knows, who knows uh, what, what just might have come of that that you'll never hear about this side of heaven. So thank the Lord for that. Okay, Mark chapter number five. Mark chapter five. It is 17 minutes until 8 o'clock. I will do my best to have you out of here before. Well, just I, I won't go any longer than the hockey game went last night in the, in the back back there. That's some nervous laughter. All right, Mark chapter 5. Here's an unusual passage. We're going to read tonight from verses 22 to 43. And what's really, really, really strange about the, the, the way this story is written, there are many miracles in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're told of many wonders wrought by Jesus Christ. This one, the Holy Spirit wrote the story of a miracle and he put the story of another miracle in the middle of the story of the miracle. It's a miracle inside a miracle. And I, I read that many, many times through the years and, and wondered, why didn't he just give one story and then the other story? Why didn't he tell of one miracle and then the other miracle? And I, I believe tonight you'll see why. When I, when I saw what I, what I believe is, is correct on this, it really blessed my heart. I hope it'll bless yours. And let's pray together. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for the singing we've enjoyed. What a blessing that these songs have been written about your son, the Lord Jesus, that we could honor and glorify and magnify him. Thank you for these girls that sang tonight. We pray, Lord, they'd live for Jesus all the days of their life and, and never stray from what they sang tonight. And Lord, we just ask you to bless your word to our hearts now and help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And verse 22, Mark 5, 22, and behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. 
And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. So here he goes. He's on his way to grant the request of this man to heal his daughter. And, verse 25, a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Now I believe, I believe this account happened just like it's written. I believe this is the absolute truth. I believe this is, this is recorded history. This is truer than anything in any newspaper. It's more accurate than anything on any website. This actually happened just like it's written. And I don't want to downplay the history that happened here of Jesus healing this woman as we talk about the application. So please don't think we're just throwing out what happened. What a wonderful thing that the Lord proved his deity, proved himself to be God by healing sick people and as we'll read in just a little bit, raising the dead, he can do that, he still does that and one day, praise the Lord, he'll raise up every one of us that's saved, the grave won't hold us and won't keep us and we thank God for that. But here's what I wonder, How, why, why the story of Jairus interrupted by the story of the woman with, with the issue of blood, and then the story of Jairus begins again. And here's, here's what triggered the thought in my, in my mind. The Bible says in verse number 42, straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. Verse 25, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Now there's something significant. The Holy Spirit, of all the thousands and thousands of people Jesus healed, the Holy Spirit picked a girl 12 years old and a woman who had been sick and dying as long as that little girl had been alive. There's something to that. And, and as you step back and look, and this is what we'll do together tonight, I, I want you to go back with me to Saturday night. Do you remember, as we, as we considered and understood our Bible, for, from Genesis 12 all the way up to about the 26th chapter of Matthew, God is on his way to make his best attempt by his divine power to bring healing and life to the very sick and dying nation of Israel. And then something happened. The entire story of the Bible changes 
as though the Lord no longer had any interest in the nation of Israel, but instead turned his attention to this fallen woman that he would cleanse and heal and purify and eventually make his bride. And by the time the Lord finishes his building his church, you would turn and look in those first chapters of Revelation and it just looks for all the world like that nation of Israel is dead, is finished, and there's nothing more that God could do for that people. Now, look, look with me, please, if you will, in verse number 22. Notice who we're dealing with, a ruler of the synagogue. That's Jewish entirely, completely. And this ruler of the synagogue says to Jesus, greatly beseeching him, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. The law couldn't help that nation, and the prophets didn't help that nation, and their kings were corrupt, and their leaders were corrupt, and they had life, but they were just barely clinging to life, and the only hope that they had was Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he came unto his own. The Bible said he came to Bethlehem. The Bible says he came born king of the Jews, and there was a forerunner who had prepared the way and told the, the world, Messiah has come, and he sent Jewish apostles and disciples and he said go to the house of Israel and tell them they can be healed. Go to the house of Israel and tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand and, and we have all of this, this build up as Messiah has finally come and maybe at last the nation is going to be restored to the blessedness which God had intended for them. And then Jesus goes to the cross and we turn the page and we find in Acts chapter 2 Souls being saved and added to the church. Chapter 3, souls being saved and added to the church. By the time we get to chapter 8, they're being scattered from Jerusalem and going to the ends of the earth. And now we've got Antioch in view and Rome in view and Greece in view and, and Asia in view. And it's just as if the Lord has forgotten all about that nation that really, really needs him. Well, let's see why. The Bible says in verse 25, there's a certain woman, and you just plug yourself in there. I can plug myself in there. This is what Jesus Christ has been doing for 2,000 years. There's a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. You know, as long as Israel had been a nation, the Gentile people had been sick with sin. And they tried idols, and they tried religion. They tried Moloch and Balaam and Chemosh. They tried the wind god and the river god. They tried the spirit of the trees. They'd offered incense to the moon. They'd thrown their babies in the fire. They'd tried a little bit of everything. And I'm telling you, by the time Jesus Christ came to this world, the nations of this old world, they had religion, but they were only worse. And they had forms of worship, but they weren't getting any better. They were getting worse and worse and worse with each passing day. But look at this. The Bible says, when she had heard of Jesus. Now, maybe it was your mother who brought you to church like this as just a little boy or a little girl. Maybe you were a grown man out there working on a construction job or a grown woman out there teaching school. Maybe you were a family man driving down the road one day and turned on the radio. But somewhere along the way, in the midst of all of your religion, in the midst of all of your sadness and sorrow, in the midst of all of your pursuit of wealth and money and fame and fortune, you heard of Jesus. 
You didn't know much about him, but you knew everything else you'd tried hadn't done any good. You weren't sure what he could do for you, but you knew whatever you had wasn't enough. Listen, you wouldn't be here tonight if this world had satisfied you. You wouldn't be here tonight if your religion had met the need of your heart. But you know, like I know, that down in the depths of your soul, when you heard about Jesus, something inside you said, you ought to give that a try. Nothing else has worked. You ought to go see what that's all about. Everything else has let you down. And so this woman, the Bible says, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now, she worked away. There's a multitude thronging we read. She, she elbowed her way past this one and, and forced her way past that one and ducked down under this one. Maybe you can almost see her crawling. Listen, it doesn't say she touched the sleeve of his garment. It doesn't say she grabbed him around the collar. It said she touched the hem of his garment. She is, she is coming on her hands and knees trying to get to Jesus. And I want to ask you something because it, it's, it's really interesting. For she said, verse 28, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, you remember Saturday night we saw from the Word of God that the, the Jews had, a, had the Scriptures and the Gentiles didn't. And Israel had a priesthood and, and our ancestors didn't. And their forefathers had a temple and sacrifices and we had nothing. Let me ask you something. What verse in the Bible says, if you want to be healed, touch the hem of somebody's garment? There's not one. What example in the Old Testament would she be following to come on your hands and knees and grab somebody's clothes and get healed? There's not any. Listen, this, to me, this is, this is such a blessing. The Bible says this woman without knowledge, this woman without information, this woman without an instructor, she just in her heart said, I have got to get to Jesus, and if I can get to Jesus, he can help me. And you know something, you might look back now after you've been saved 10 or 15 years and say, you know, there's five things somebody's got to do before Jesus will hear their prayer. There's 10 things somebody has to do to, to be right with God. The only way to get saved is to kneel this way or pray this way. Or, you know something, when you got saved, you knew just about nothing. All you knew is I am lost and nothing I've tried has worked, and I'm going to get to Jesus the best I can. Listen, I, I've heard preachers preach, you've got to kneel on both knees, you've got to spit out your chewing gum, you've got to shed tears, you've got to have no tears, you've got to be facing the east, you've got to get baptized a week later, you've got to be sure you know what you're doing before you're baptized. I've heard so many different things that people have made up that you have to do to get saved. And you know why those guys preach those things? Because that's what they did when they got saved. And if we, if we gave testimonies tonight, there's probably 40 different ways that people here tonight came to Jesus, and maybe 38 of them aren't even in the Bible. But you know what that scripture says? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You just got to get to Jesus by faith. You don't have to really know what you're doing. You don't have to really understand all the details. That'll come later. That's how we got saved. 
Listen, that Jew, he had Passover and Pentecost and first fruits and tabernacles and, and he had the wave offering and the sheave offering and bring a ram here and two turtle doves over there and a bullock over there. And he got all that laid out for him by God. This woman doesn't know anything. She just heard about Jesus. And man, some of us sat in a church where they, where they said a mass in a language we didn't understand. They, they flipped some beads around and splashed some water around and lit some candles and you stood up and you sat down and you stood up and you sat down. You didn't have any idea what was going on. And some of you went to, to a, a church and people get up and speak in languages they didn't even know themselves and, and people hoop and holler and run around and you say, what's that all about? Then you go to another church and everybody's sitting there like, like they're at a funeral or something. You didn't know what was going on. And then one day, through all of it, one day, through all of that religion and all of that confusion and all of that, you just, you know what, I just got to get to Jesus. My life is not getting any better and nothing I've tried has met my need. I've got to get to Jesus. And man, listen, when she laid hold on him by faith, the Bible says, verse 29, and straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. What a blessing. You know, the moment you came to Jesus by faith, you didn't get up off your knees a Bible scholar. You didn't finish calling on the Lord and, and the next thing you knew, this, this whole Bible just opened up before you. But I'll tell you what, the moment you came to him by faith and laid hold of trusting him from your heart, you know what he did? That very moment, he cleansed you from all your sin. That very moment, he justified you by grace, praise the Lord. And the Bible says, now this is really interesting here. Verse number 30, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him. That's interesting. He cleansed 10 lepers and virtue didn't go out of him. He gave sight to blind men and virtue didn't go out of him. He, took, had, he met a man with a withered hand and he, and he fixed that arm and virtue didn't go out of him. But in this miracle with this woman coming to the Lord not by invitation but by faith, coming to the Lord not with certain knowledge but just with hope in her heart, when she was healed, she didn't just get healed, virtue, from inside Jesus went out of him and took up residence inside of her. You know what happened? You got saved and you didn't even know it. Do you know what happened? The moment you trusted Jesus and you didn't find out about it till later in a Bible study, God's Holy Spirit which produces love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness and temperance and faith and all, all of those great things that you didn't have, they went out from God's heart and moved into your heart the moment you got saved. What a picture this is of, of our salvation. And the Bible says that, uh, that this virtue went out of it and Jesus turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. Now, out of all those people, Jesus is moving, he's moving, he's moving, he's moving, he's moving. 
But when somebody came by faith and laid hold upon him with hope and trust, he stopped. There she is. I want to have fellowship with her. And out of all the people in this whole wide world, God's just doing what he does. He's just moving on, running his creation. He's just moving on to fulfill the promises and prophecies that he's spoken. And one day, you, me, who are we? The mayor wouldn't stop for us. A rich man wouldn't stop for us. If we were hitchhiking, a car wouldn't even slow down to pick us up. But the moment you laid hold by faith on Jesus Christ, he just stopped and said, was that you? I like fellowship with you. Isn't that a blessing? The multitude was thronging him, but he stopped when somebody trusted him. And look what the Bible says, verse 33, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. You see what happens here? She's talking to him, he's talking to her. She's talking to him, he's talking to her. We come by faith. We, we come to the Lord the best we know how. We lay hold upon him and he cleanses us that very moment. His virtue moves into us and, and makes us different on the inside. And then... He, he enters into this relationship. We talk to him. He talks to us. We fellowship one with another. What a blessing. And the Bible says, Jesus said to her, Go in peace, behold of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Now, now listen, this, this is great. I, I like the Bible. Anybody here like the Bible? I like the Bible. Okay, so, so now here's Jesus, ruler of the Jews, synagogue, right? So he's coming, I'm going to heal the Jew, I'm going to heal the Jew, I'm going to heal the Jew, I'm going to heal the Jew. Time out. You stop right there. I got, I got something else to take care of. Because there's this woman coming, and as long as you, your daughter's been alive, she's been sick. As long as you people have been, been around, she's had problems. And she comes by faith, she touches his garment, she's made whole, virtue inside her, he fellowships with her, she fellowships with him, and then guess what? She just disappeared. She's just gone. It doesn't say she went home, it doesn't say she went and told her friends, it doesn't say she joined the party, it doesn't say she became a disciple, she's just gone. And as soon as she disappears like she was never there, the Lord says, oh yeah, Jairus, where were we? And he picks up right where he left off when he was on his way to heal that Jewish girl in that synagogue ruler's house. Now you know what that woman is? That woman is a picture of you and of me and of the Lord's church. You know all through your Bible there are stories like that? God's telling the story of Israel coming out of Egypt and on their way into the promised land and all of a sudden he stops and he tells you about this harlot Rahab, this Gentile who gets saved by, with, by imperfect faith by hanging a scarlet thread in the window and then she's gone and we go back to taking over the promised land. And then we, we get in the promised land and we're dividing up the land and the, and the judges are doing this and the judges are doing that and right in the middle of it we stop and here's this outlandish woman named Ruth 
who hears about Israel's God and comes to Bethlehem and marries the Lord of the harvest, the mighty man of valor who set his love upon her just by grace. And then Ruth is gone and oh, where were we? Oh yeah, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, it's all through there. Everywhere in your Bible, a woman shows up who's not part of the story. That's a picture of you. It's a picture of the church. And here she is, and now she's gone. And so what, what's going to happen when the woman, when the church, when the bride, what's going to happen when we disappear? Verse 34, uh, 35, while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Okay, now watch. Here he comes. He, the ruler says, can you come help me? I can. It's this way. Let's go. And then this woman interrupts. And you can see the man. She's sick. My daughter's sick. What are you doing? My daughter's sick. She's dying. Why are you fooling around like this with, with that woman? That's the Jews, right? And as soon as that woman's gone, he, turned, he turns to Iris. She's dead now. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that I would come to your house and heal your daughter? Now, do you believe me or not? And as soon as this church is taken out, the Lord is going to turn back to his dealings with that nation of Israel. And they are going to be in a time of trouble, the Bible says, like none before it, like none since. That time of Jacob's trouble be the worst time on the face of this earth when that devil uses all of his force and all of his tricks and all of his allies to try and exterminate that Jew. And Jesus says, do not doubt me. Do not doubt me. I'm coming to your house. How about that? You know what it's called? It's called the whole house of Israel. He didn't heal this woman in the house. She's not part of a house. She's just a stranger walking down the street. That's the Gentile. But this, this, this Jewish girl, she's in a house. And so here he goes. Verse number uh, 38, or I'm sorry, uh, 37. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. So the multitude isn't following, but a remnant of that multitude is following Jesus. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. You know what they're in? They're in great tribulation. They're in distress. They're in despair. They're in sorrow. Verse, verse number 39, And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why... Uh, uh, make ye this ado and weep. The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. We have that half of that verse on the wall in our nursery at our church. Why make ye this ado and weep? That's a good verse for a nursery. We have another verse on the wall. It's, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's, that's, cool. that's a good verse for a, for a nursery. Anyway, so he says, the damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Now watch this. And they laughed him to scorn. Don't you see this? Jesus has come to the house, right? Jewish house. He's come to the house. There are people in the house who laugh and mock. He has arrived on the scene, but they don't believe he can do anything. And what's he do? He throws them out. You know, when Jesus Christ gets back to this earth, there will be Jews who have lived through that tribulation and Gentiles who have lived through that tribulation and he'll, he'll throw them out. They're not going to get to enjoy his millennial kingdom. Read that in Matthew. 
What are you doing here without a wedding garment on? How'd you get in here? Throw him out. You know, there's going to be a judgment of sheep, goats, and of sheep and goat nations on earth after Jesus gets back. And the sheep get to stay and the goats get thrown out. There it is. It's right there. It's right there. Now, keep, keep going. The Bible says, They laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Now, here, one more thing and then, then we'll run a couple of references. That woman had no promise at all that she would be healed. But she came by faith and was healed without promise. This girl, she's dead. She's got no faith. The people in the house, when the Lord raises from the dead, they're astonished. They've got no faith. But Jesus healed her because he had promised before he came that he would do it. You know how you get saved? You've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know how that Jew is going to be raised up to be the head of the nations at the end of the tribulation? It is not because of their faith. It's because God promised them before he came that that's what he was going to do. Now, listen, I don't think Mark sat down one night and made this up. I believe Holy Spirit wrote the whole Bible and he directed each writer, each writer to record what he wanted recorded. Now, let me, let me show you something and, and we finish up with this. Come to 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and that woman, what happened to her? She just disappeared, didn't she? She's that one minute she's there, the next minute she's gone. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, here's your future if you're part of the bride of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, anybody here done that? Anybody here believe that Jesus died and rose again? That, that's all it says. There's not a list of 25 things there that we all have to agree on. If we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, praise God, and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You know what your future is? Your future is to disappear. Your future is to be sitting right here one minute, and the next minute you're with the Lord. That's what he said. That's what he promised. Man, I had a, a friend, that, one of the men that discipled me, and he said when he died, he wanted them to bury him in the foundation of a skyscraper. 
So when the rapture happened, he could just bust a hole in every floor on the way up and, and let, let people know he was gone. We, uh, we used to meet little rented building. There were about 15, 20 of us for, for several years when we started our church. And, and there was a family that, w they, were just, they were late for everything. Everything we had, they were late. Don't look around. If, if there's somebody here like that, I don't want everybody looking at it. But just, they just, every single thing we had, they were late. It didn't matter what time it started. It didn't matter what day of the week. They were always late. So, so I, I told everybody one, one morning before they got there, I said, this is what we're going to do tonight. Everybody bring an extra set of clothes. And we'll leave our, because you know everybody sits the same place every time. Every time I've ever been here, you've sat there and you sit there. and this, So, so we, we all left a set of clothes where we usually sit and our Bibles lying open and we went and hid in a side room. <laughs> and that family walked in and they, <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That's how you miss the rapture. You come late for church. But <laughs> hey, I don't know. If, I don't know if her clothes are going or not. But <laughs> but one of these days, it's going to be just like that. You'll be here, then you'll be gone. And that's that matches that woman there in Mark chapter five. But did you notice? Did you notice when he raised the little girl from the dead? He stayed in the house and they prepared a meal and they all hung out together. Now that's real different from just disappearing, isn't it? Look at Ezekiel 37. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter number 37. Ezekiel 37 and verse number one. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about and behold there were very many in the open valley and lo they were very dry and he said unto me son of man can these bones live and I answered O Lord God thou knowest now boys and girls listen if God ever asks you a question that's the answer <laughs> O Lord God thou knowest that's, that's, that's the right answer to any question God ever asks you. What are you asking me for? You're God. You know. And so the Bible says in verse number four, again he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God on these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together, bone to his bone. Any of you ever have an Amplified Bible? Anybody remember? What? Nobody remembers the Amplified Bible? The Amplified Bible is about that thick. And it was supposedly, for every Greek word in the Bible, they put all the possible meanings of that word. And I mean, verses would just go on and on and on and on. It's just impossible to memorize. Anyway, the Amplified Bible in Ezekiel 37 says this. So uh, the bones came together bone to his bone. The knee bone connected to the thigh bone. The thigh bone connected to the leg bone. The leg bone connected to the ankle bone. That's, <laughs> no, it's not an Amplified. <laughs> but that's, that's where the song came from was in that. 
in that passage. Verse 8, and, and when I beheld, lo, the sinews and flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Now wouldn't that freak you out to see that happen? That'd be a crazy thing to see. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried. It's too late. Our hope is lost. God can't help us. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves. Now look, where are they going? And bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Now, where did that woman go? She disappeared. Where did that girl go? She didn't go anywhere. The Lord stayed with her and they ate together and fellowshiped together in her house. Where's the church going? We're going to disappear because this world is not our home. We're going to a place that God prepared for us. But then that tribulation time, you know what God's going to do? Every Jew that died in faith, he's going to raise them up out of their graves and he's not going to take them to heaven. He's not going to take them to a place prepared for them. They will be in the place prepared for them in the land that God promised Abraham and Jesus is going to stay there for a thousand years and hang out with them eating and drinking and fellowshipping and making merry. Now, what a strange book you've got. You've got a book that the Lord said, don't just read it, study it. And he said, don't just study it, rightly divide it. And he's got a book where he's got almost 39 chapters telling of his pursuit and his journey to the house of Jairus to heal his sick daughter. And then he just stops as if he's finished and changed his mind. And he builds this church out of people who just came to him the best they knew how and some of it didn't even make any sense at all but they trusted him and put their hope in him and he gave them virtue and he fellowshiped with them and then they just disappeared and the Lord's going to pick right back up with that Jew where he left off when he started building that church and by the time he's finished he'll raise that nation from the dead and fellowship with them in the land of promise not because they had any faith in him but because he said he would. Now this isn't a come to the altar get right with God revival message. This is a Stay in a church that studies the Bible message. Stay in a church that preaches and teaches the Bible message. This is a read it again message. This is a read it carefully message. You know, if we're not careful, I, I, I want to say this the right way. If you've got a good husband or a good wife, 
it's easier to not think about them than if you got a bad one. You got a good wife, you just know she's going to be there. You got a bad wife, you're all day long wondering where she's going to be. You got a good husband, you know you can trust him. You got a bad husband, you're looking at his phone all day long. We got a great book in our hand. And I think sometimes we're so sure it's a great book that we don't pay attention to it. And we know, we know so certainly that it's the life-changing Word of God that we can just count on it. It'll be there if we ever need it. Wife ever gets shaky, I'll buy her some flowers. Husband ever gets cranky, I'll make him some dessert. As <laughs> long as everything's going okay, I'll just, I'll just ignore him. Hey, you kids doing okay? They're 9, they're 10, they're 11, they're 12. Ah, kids are doing great. They hit 14 and 15 and start getting a little weird. You know what? You start paying attention to those kids again, don't you? Man, when that UFO comes over there on their 13th birthday and takes that brain out of their head, <laughs> that gets your attention, doesn't it? You just hope at about 18 or 19 it's going to fly back over and bring it back. <laughs> Something happens, man. And you know something? Don't wait for some great tragedy to hit your life to read the Bible like you used to. Don't wait until you have to get in the book. Let's not take it for granted. It's still wonderful. And there's still something in every chapter that none of us have seen yet. And there's still something over here that goes with something over there that we just hadn't quite put together yet. Every word of God is pure, not just in what it says, but in where it says it. He could have told you about Jairus' daughter, and then you could have turned the page, and he could have told you about the woman, the issue of blood. But he put one inside the other because he's showing you something more. Jew, church, Jew. Israel, bride, Israel. And it's all, it's all through your Bible like that. So let's, let's tonight, let's not, you know, bow our heads or come to an altar and say, God, I'm sorry I'll never smoke again. God, I'm sorry I, I shouldn't use that word. Let's, let's tonight say, Lord, don't let me. Don't let me take the Bible for granted. Don't let me just act like it's just part of the furniture in the living room. Let me get in that book again. See something new. See something blessed. See something helpful. It's a great book, but it works effectually in those that believe it. Amen. All right, Father, thank you tonight for the pictures that you put in your word. The great truth. Lord, we're thankful you raised this man's daughter from the dead. What a thrilling thing that must have been in that house. And Lord, we're thankful that you, you healed that woman with that issue of blood and how it, it must have changed her life completely. But God, we're also thankful that you used those miracles of healing to show us how you saved our poor souls. And to show us what you'll yet do with your chosen people over there in that war-torn, troubled land. And Father, help us to love your word and believe your word. Thank you for giving it to us. In Jesus' name, amen.